It's the We're Past Super Tuesday edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Adam Beasley, we're back from Indianapolis. Uh, we've both returned, I believe, without coughs, colds, flus, or coronavirus, and that's a good thing. Yeah, when I was sitting on that flight back from Minneapolis last Friday, I was just like, please don't breathe on me. Please don't breathe on me. No one, please sneeze. Don't sneeze. Don't cough. Don't breathe on me. Six days well, later, I, I am symptom-free. I'm good to go. This is a true fact. So I'm on the plane, and you know I board first, right? Because, you know, I'm like... Armando. That's You're Armando. how I roll. So anyway, I'm sitting there... And uh, through the doors walks uh, Chris Perkins of The Athletic. Mm-hmm. And he sees me and smiles and comes by. And, you know, we had a good manly handshake, right? Mm-hmm. No. Um, so there was a fist bump. A fist bump. Uh, then Cameron Wolf of ESPN <laughs> walks in the door uh, of the jet. And uh, we had a good manly handshake, right? Nope. Nope. Uh, fist bump. Any, so, el- any elbow bumps? No elbow bumps. So I guess fist bump is now the new salutation for everyone because no one wants to be exchanging germs with anyone else uh, on any any of these uh, flights or at any point anywhere. What do you think of uh, the uh, Miami Dade double kiss? You think that's that's gone for good? I, well, I've never partaken in that. I, you know, you know, Cubans don't like kiss other, like a Cuban male of which I am one does not kiss another Cuban male unless it's his dad. Uh, <laughs> that's just not happening. So we're not French, okay? We're not European. We don't we don't roll like that. Um, but we but women. They kiss everybody. Right. Uh, they kiss everybody. And so I'm assuming that that's going to stop. Um, or, I, we're gonna, or, <laughs> or Miami Dave's going to be ground zero for coronavirus because everyone's going to get it. Look, there's already, uh, there's already a number of cases in the state. Uh, there is a story, I think, yesterday uh, that of the uh, handful of New York cases – one of which was a 50-year-old male who flew to South Florida at the beginning of February for vacation. Armando, what happened in South Florida in the beginning of February? Was there a stupid bowl? The, <laughs> the, the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, there's no evidence yet that he was a Super Bowl game-goer, but talking about uh, outbreak, sitting in there and among 70,000 of your closest friends, Passing beers, uh, grand, grabbing handrails, eating hot dogs, and throwing the wrappers out. I mean, that's that's really these these uh, health professionals' worst, worst nightmares. Just something like that, a Heat game, a, a Marlins game. Well, not Marlins games because no one go to those. But these high density games where people can can it can just spread quickly. And that's why, in all seriousness, I think you're going to see in the next couple of months what's happened in Asia, some of these games being played in front of empty stadiums, some of them getting postponed. They've already had the first cancellation of college basketball, or I believe maybe it was college baseball. There was a college, couple of college games out west that got, they got canceled because, they, you know, it was near Seattle, and Seattle is where there's been a big outbreak. So uh, all kidding aside, I think, and I wrote about this yesterday, there will be a real impact on the world of sports in the next few months. Thankfully, Dolphins games aren't for another six months. 
But basketball playoffs, NCAA tournament, opening day in baseball, these are all things that are part of our cultural landscape, and there's no guarantee they're all going to go off without a hitch because of this this illness that's spreading throughout the country. Well, um, so you mentioned all those events that have been, um, you know, that people are looking at sideways now, and all of them, all of them are dwarfed by the idea that the NFL will have a draft in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and there will be crowds of hundreds of thousands. In addition to the usual crowds of, you know, of losers gambling their lives, savings away <laughs> uh, in Vegas, but... I, I, take, uh, I, I take that as a personal affront. Well, you know, I, I understand that when you go to Vegas, you always win. Oh, good point, good point. Right. Yeah. So, but you saw the crowds in Nashville. You saw the, you know, obviously New York didn't have that kind of vibe because it was an indoor event. Um, but you've seen those crowds, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, NFL, uh, really? That's that's what's going to be happening. The outdoor uh, crowds of hundreds of thousands on the Vegas, you know, strip. That's going to be interesting. I, I asked Brian McCarthy, who is the head spokesman for the National Football League, on Monday if they have any plans to change the draft or the annual meeting, which is in West Palm in a few weeks, which obviously is a, a fraction of the scale, but you have the most important people in the National Football League, all traveling, getting on planes, coming to, you know, going through airports where these, you know, this illness can pass pretty, pretty easily. And the response was no, no plans at this time to change either. But you have to think, Armando, if, 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 if this gets worse and not better, and then again, that's what the CDC thinks is going to happen, they're going to have to think long and hard about having, as you, as you mentioned, an event that, that, that in Nashville drew 600,000 people. Nashville is a great destination town. It ain't Vegas. There, there could be a million people walking the streets in Las Vegas draft week, uh, and I, I have a hard time seeing that happening if this becomes a true pandemic. Yeah, we're not going to panic people. We're not talking about pandemics here. Uh, this thing is is the the next thing, but it's not a pandemic. <laughs> not over here. So, uh, And by the way, uh, I believe most people, if they are healthy – they even if they contract this, they'll beat it. And that's, well, that's yeah, that's that was the argument that the mayor had Jimenez for for ultra, and it was kind of tone deaf, I think, but it also was accurate that uh, there's that, no pandemic. Right. Well, let's 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 hope we don't know for certain. Well, let's hope right now right. there's no pandemic. C- correct. Correct. Okay. I mean, Absolutely. we can we can, agree, we can we can agree on that fact. Let's hope it doesn't get worse. Okay. Um. Let's hope the Dolphins roster doesn't get worse. How about that? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good segue. So you've got um, you've got names that the Dolphins are going to be interested in in free agency. Give them to me. Well, there you'd be shocked to learn um, that it's a lot of Patriots. <laughs> they had, I think, like eight Patriots come through their their locker room last year, maybe even more. And that's just the start of it. Uh, Brian Flores' connection to that franchise is strong. He knows a lot of the players in that building even still, uh, including Logan Ryan, who he coached for for a minute 
um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that is not, I think, uh, our, my colleague Armand, uh, Barry Jackson has written, and, and I've heard the same, that Logan Ryan is absolutely a guy that they have interest in if the money is right. Uh, same with uh, Joe Thune, who might be the highest-paid guard that hits yeah. free agency. Uh, you don't think Joe Thune's happening? <laughs> For $18 million a year, $15 million a year? Yeah. That's You're going to pay a guard $18 million a year? That's the question. How high does that price tag go? That's why I think it's out of control. Ted Karras, another expatriate, uh, who I've heard at the Dolphins have had some contact with would make a lot more sense. If you can get him for six or seven a year and, and help you solidify that offensive line, it's a lot cheaper than going and getting Joe Thune. So, okay, so uh, the idea that they're going to be able to land Brandon Sheriff is not going to probably fly because the Redskins are probably going to lock up uh, you know, a you know multiple-time Pro Bowl player right before free agency begins, or at the very least, they're going to have some sort of wink-wink uh, type of deal where he would come back to them with offers, and they would have the ability to improve on that offer to keep him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that that kind well, of you know, yeah. Really, I mean, it, it, if they if they franchise tag him um, and and he wants out of Washington, he could do what Ngakwe did and and say, yeah, I'm never going to sign a long term deal here, which is which would be a, a message to the organization that get your value out of me now because there might be a team and there were, we've seen more and more of it, particularly with free agency not being as robust this year as maybe people thought going in that if you want uh, a top top flight defensive end. There aren't a bunch of them on the open market. You're able to get one if you part with a second-round pick. And, again, we, we, we know that based on everything they've said, based on the Patriot way and all that, the Dolphins aren't going to be looking to spend a ton of money on one player. But if there were one player you'd spend it on, I'd rather spend it on an Agakwe than, than I would a Scherf because guards, yes, are important, but they're not defensive ends. Right. Uh, and so does Ngakwe fit – the system, does he fit what the Dolphins are trying to do? Well, uh, he's he's got the build of kind of one of those tweener guys. Um, oh! <laughs> oh my and they use guys in a lot of different ways. I think, oh, they'd find, I, I think they'd find a role for him. I think that he would obviously be on the, on the field in passing downs. And, he, you know, would he play 80, you know, 80% of the snaps? I don't know, maybe 70 is a more likely number, but he is absolutely a guy who immediately would make your pass rush infinitely better than it is now. They don't need that. They they have Charles <laughs> <laughs> and they and they generate pressure with their scheme. That was my favorite uh, that was my favorite line of preseason when I asked Patrick Graham over and over again, Are "You worry about your pass rush?" "Oh no, no, we'll scheme it up." Well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what Brian Flores said. Uh, I believe he said that before. He said, I, I have a good team. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, coaches. Oh, man. Coach, we got to, yeah, we, we got to say stupid things sometimes. We, we got to get into a whole list of things that coaches have told to us that are untrue. 
But first, let's take a break. And on the other side of the break, Armando, I'm going to ask you, do you think the Dolphins will construct a good team in the next month and a half? Oh, wow. Thank you for giving me the heads up so I can think about it. Three, two, one. Okay, now you've had a long time to think about Armando. Your answer is what? What's the question again? (laughs) Do you think, and this is going to be the question that defines Chris Greer's career, that he's going to be able to take all these assets and make a good team out of it? Um, Well, if you're saying, are they going to be a good team, two things. Are they going to be a good team in 2020? If that's the question, my answer is no. Okay. Uh, And uh, a small disagreement The thing that will define Chris Greer's career is, did I find a franchise quarterback in 2020 in the draft? And those two questions are intimately related. I mean, if if he gets the wrong quarterback, they're not going to be good. Fair. Um, That, mm, correct. That that is true. (laughs) No, that's true. I mean, look. We already know that uh, they they love Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Correct. Uh, As you've written, they have punted on what might be the best free agent class of quarterbacks we've seen in a generation. That is stunning to me. Yeah. That is, I mean, think of this. We are here in the first week of March, and... Last March, 2019, Chris Greer, out of his mouth, said that we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick is nobody's future. (laughs) Ryan knows that, right? Yeah, we were sitting outside in Phoenix at the owners' meetings. No one forced him to say that. He volunteered that. Correct. Correct? And And here we are a year later... And we're about to begin year two of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. And I'm thinking, what the holy heck happened? Uh, I mean, really? (laughs) You know what? Everybody that's listening to this loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's because they're Dolphin fans and they have lost sight of the idea that every year – you come out to the offseason with a cutthroat mentality, with a mentality like Bill Belichick that no matter how much you like a guy, no matter how much leadership a guy has, no matter how much of an epic beard he may possess, if he's not really, 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 really good, he's a candidate for being replaced. That's mm-hmm. how the New England Patriots think. And that's not how the Miami Dolphins think. Uh, I, I would agree with you on that. I would say this. I think it's strategic in this way. Uh, they don't want – they want, as we've talked about since for a year now on this podcast, they want to emerge from this draft with their franchise quarterback. And we'll get into some of the candidates in a second. That's who they want to emerge from this, this draft with. They want to be able to do whatever they can to foster that player being a high-level quarterback. And if you go and sign Phillip Rivers to a two-year deal, or you go and sign uh, Tom Brady to a two-year deal, or you go and trade for Cam Newton and you give him an extension, those are progress stoppers. 
Those are guys that are going to want to play 2020, 2021, maybe 2022. I think that's pretty old for Brady, but he's Superman. He's got TV 12 going on. So um, their thinking is, Fitz, when it's time for the change to happen, he knows it's time for it to happen, and he's not going to make waves. Yes, he was unhappy last year, but he was unhappy when he got benched for Rosen, but that's because he got benched for Josh Rosen. If he gets benched for Tua Tagovailoa, or he gets benched for Justin Herbert, or if he gets benched for Jordan Love, and those players are clearly ready to play, he's not going to stand in the way. Whereas Tom Brady's going to be like, look, I'm a Hall of and Famer. You're not benching me for a guy who's still not – he's not on my level. He is not that good yet. Um, and I think that's, that's their calculus. It's that, we, yes, we could upgrade a quarterback, but those quarterbacks are going to want to play, and they're going to have – a body of work that suggests they should play, and that's going to be a progress stopper for a young quarterback. So that's a lot to chew on. Let me suggest to you counter-strategy, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really, the Tom Brady thing left the station the second that uh, Brian Flores fired Chad O'Shea uh, right. hours after the season was over. That, that ended the, the you know, idea of Tom Brady because Tom Brady uh, – isn't going to play in a Chan Gailey offense. He would have possibly considered under the right circumstances playing under his old, familiar, comfortable, outstanding, because I've won Super Bowls in it offense that he's been used to for 20 years. That's gone. So Mm -hmm. the Dolphins were done with Tom Brady at that very moment. But – Let's let's dream for a second, okay? Suppose that Brian Flores had not pressed the ejection seat on Chad O'Shea after knowing him for 10 years, bringing him from New England, and then seeing him coach and forgetting everything he saw the last 10 years and fired him. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so he does that. I'm I'm thinking. Look, Tom Brady is is a guy that I could bring in. I've got a solid wide receiver in Devontae Parker right now, who was better probably than any wide receiver who played for the New England Patriots last year, with the possible exception of Antonio Brown for three quarters mm-hmm. in one game. Um, I've got a developing sort of um, hybrid, not really a tight end, but kind of like a big wide receiver in Mike Gesicki. And I've got a ton of draft picks and a ton of money. I can I can draft my quarterback at number five, and I can pick offensive linemen up the yin-yang, and I can sign a running back, or I can sign – uh, defensive players, or I can sign whoever I want with the remaining $75 million in cap space if I want. Mm-hmm. And now I have, have a pretty good team, and now I still have my quarterback of the future in the pipeline, and now I have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And, oh, by the way, next year I still have two first-round picks and a second-round pick. And I'm going to contend now, immediately. I'm going to be pretty darn good this year because last year when our roster was the pits, we won five out of the last nine games. 
that's, I, I that's don't the, see I don't see anything wrong with that idea. That, that that's a great argument, and to be honest, it's I'm surprised it's not one that Stephen Ross has, hasn't brought up because um, I mean, dude turns 80 years old in a couple of months. He does he if he sees a way to short circuit. Uh, the rebuild that, you know, we talk three years, five years, whatever the, whatever the year length you want to put on it, if you find a way to getting to the, you know, getting to the finish line faster, you'll want to do it. But uh, that's just not the route they're going to go. I know. And, 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 and it's, you know, it's unfortunate it's for Dolphins fans. It's not the route even considered. Correct. That's and my problem. And it's unfortunate that for Dolphins fans that are paying money, season ticket holders and all that, that you're going to probably have to deal with another – Seven and nine, maybe eight and eight year this year if, if things go the right way for you. If you're lucky, yeah. So I, I understand, but I, I, they made the decision a year ago for the long term health of the franchise. This is the way they're going to build it, and for better or worse, they followed the general blueprint. Yes, there has been twists and turns. I wouldn't have traded Mika Fitzpatrick and and Laramie Tunsil you know, for that haul. I can understand the move, but you know now you have to go find yourself a left tackle. But by and large, they follow the the, the, the the blueprint to get them to this offseason with unspeakable riches and, and, and assets. Um, and, and they don't want to deviate from that plan. What's the point of having riches if you don't spend them? Well, we'll see how they spend them, and that's the question. If they don't if they don't emerge from free agency with at least Two real starters on the offensive line, not Ted Larson types, but real legitimate bona fide starters on the offensive line, and they don't emerge without at least one edge-setting pass rusher. Um, yeah, I agree with you. What's why you put up? I mean, what? you know, and I know our experience of free agency is the following: mm-hmm. the guys that hit free agency typically are guys the other team doesn't want because they're too expensive, and their play, they don't, they calculate that the play will not meet the level of the pay. And so free agency is not a a fix unless you have a unicorn in free agency like a Tom Brady. And then things happen, like a Peyton Manning. And then things happen. Things happen when Peyton Manning, the Denver Broncos, they, they, they went to two Super Bowls. <laughs> so, I mean, keepers, uh, if Tom Brady hits free agency, that is a unicorn, and you're going to say, no, no, man, we're good with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's all good. We're good, well, and we've got a plan. We're going to rebuild. Our rebuild is in year 20 uh, of the rebuild, and for, for Chris Greer, it's going to be in year five. Chris Greer has been the general manager since 2016. So let me see. 2016, we were rebuilding. 2017, we were rebuilding. 2018, we were rebuilding. 2019, we were rebuilding. It's 2020! How long are we going to be rebuilding? You are just conveniently forgetting about the great success they had in 2016. All right. Huh? They were, uh, they were one of the six best teams in the AFC that year, buddy. That's not the goal. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing uh, with you. I mean, yeah, it, it was very pleasant and fun, but that was supposed to be the stepping stone. Instead, Not, it was a stumbling block. It was a high watermark. So, <laughs> well, and, and, and here's a question we don't have the answer to. And, and maybe Steve Ross 
did have the answer to it, and he told us on the record at the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's got no interest in playing for the Miami Dolphins. That's possible. That. That's possible. It's possible, but he doesn't know that. I don't know, man. Those Michigan connections run deep. <laughs> um, mm, I don't know. But that doesn't stop them from making a play for Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers or any other number of veteran quarterbacks well, that are going to be available. And that's where it gets a little weird because at that point, you know, I, Phillip Rivers, has he won Super Bowls? <laughs> you know, he's won as many Super Bowls as Ryan Fitzpatrick at that point. But when you're talking about a unicorn like Tom Brady, when you're talking about an obvious upgrade like Teddy Bridgewater, hey, uh, I'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater as my quarterback than uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you know why? He's better. And he's also not 110 years old. He's better. And I want. I like better. I like improvements. I don't get emotional about players. And the Dolphins shouldn't. And Dolphins fans don't get emotional about players because that's not going to help. You uh, you mentioned unicorns, and we got to get out of here on this one. Who is the unicorn of the of the 2020 NFL draft, and are the Dolphins going to land him? Uh, that's an interesting. <laughs> that's a the unicorn is Chase Young. I'm correct. Just, that is that is the correct answer. That, that's the unicorn, and I would say to you, there's reports out there that the Dol- the Dolphins, the Redskins are going to trade the number two overall pick. So they, you know, because they want more picks, that means that they're going to trade Chase Young. Yeah, I don't believe those reports. I think those. I don't are just, believe them either. I think those are just fishing expeditions to see, hey, maybe someone's really going to come away, come in here and give us three first round picks to move up from five to two. Yeah, I think that's what that is, and then they would consider it because the Dolphins will have overpaid for that pick. Uh, but bar that, you cannot pass on the potential next Lawrence Taylor. You just can't do it. Or even if he's not, even if he's not the next Lawrence, what if he's you know, more likely Joey Boza or Nick Boza. That's going to be pretty good. I would take any of the Bozas right now. I think they're like 14 sacks a year, people. I'm trying, like to, I'm trying to talk myself into giving $20 million to Ngakwe. So, yeah, I'll take Joey Bosa right now. <laughs> Come on. But the, the Redskins are going to just give up on, on, on that idea. Plus, oh, by the way, it also means you give up on Dwayne Haskins more or less. Correct. 100% correct. Interesting. All right, so um, our Super Tuesday edition or post-Super Tuesday edition of the Dolphins In-Depth podcast is thus complete. Uh, Did you vote yesterday, Adam Beasley? Uh, I don't live in one of the 14 states that voted. You live in Florida. We can vote anytime we want, dang it. (laughs) Especially if – no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. I, I, I will say this. Um, as just a neutral observer of the political process, anybody who votes early in a primary is making a mistake because there's a very good chance the dude you voted for or the woman you voted for is going to be out of the race by election day. Don't you dare give me that neutral observer stuff. I know. Oh, that. I am. I am a neutral observer. Yeah. I, okay. I, see, I see the pros and cons in everyone. Uh, I, I will count you a neutral observer the next time I see you. Uh, tweet about the stock market going up. I never see those tweets from you. I always, I'd, be ha- 
the stock market has crashed, and I've seen like four of those from you. You know I'm gloom and doom. You know I'm uh, always waiting. <laughs> you, you know I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Uh, yes, it's the second quarter. The Dolphins are down by three. Game over. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>